You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan. I'm a writer and producer. I live in Pasadena, California with my sons, my dog, my husband. And you know what? I am the youngest sister. I don't say that enough. I haven't said that lately, have I, Liz? (laughs) Well, you say it behind the scenes a lot, but thanks for the reminder, Leanne. Okay. I'm Liz Dolan. I live in Santa Monica, California. I'm an on-again, off-again corporate executive. I'm kind of a full-time podcaster, and I live with my little dog, Hooper. Julie? Uh, Well, I'm the oldest sister. I live in Dallas, Texas, but I've also lived and traveled all over the world. I'm an empty nester. I'm an urban nana. I'm a former university administrator. And uh, I'm just happy to be with you sisters today. And you're our in-house Russianologist. You lived in Russia for a long time, Julie. Yes, I did. Not many podcasts can say that. No, not many. I mean, I believe that our our podcast, our radio show, and uh, was certainly bugged while while we were broadcasting <laughs> from Moscow. No doubt about it, sisters. Yes, yes, absolutely. More on that later. Right. We are going to talk about that. Seeing we have Julie here, it's pretty much the same thing she's been saying for twelve years. So if you've been listening, <laughs> you know her take. But we're going to talk about that. Uh, we Apparently have... worth repeating. Apparently, it's news to some people, Leanne. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, Liz, great story in the New York Times this week about uh, creativity is the new midlife crisis. It's the cure to your midlife crisis. Like, you don't need to go buy that Ferrari, according to the headline in the Times. Take up painting, Leon. And we're going to talk about how positive that can be for us. All right. We have an entertaining sisters today. A few things we're looking forward to, including Mamma Mia (laughs) 2. You're really looking forward to that? It's a crazy world, Liz. It's escapist fair, for (laughs) sure. That's it. That's it. That's I it. I predict it's going to be a very big opening, Leon. Yes. <laughs> well, I think we all have to go as a show of solidarity. <laughs> all right. But first, we had a couple of fun weekends not together. I mean, yes. you and Julie were together, and I was together with my college friends. So, Julie, you start. You came to Santa Monica for your birthday. I, really, it was just a serendipity trip to Santa, Santa Monica. Liz invited me. She had heard about a clam bake. I said, yes, that's all I knew. Those were the only details. And it turned out to be delightful. But here are my four key points about my trip to Santa Monica. Number one, Liz's dog, Hooper. Liz has totally undersold this dog, Liam. And for those of you who are listening to the podcast, I mean, those pictures she has put up on Facebook, what she's talked about it, that dog is adorable. I had no idea. Liz came to pick me up at the airport. I mean, that is the cutest dog ever. It is a low riding ball of fluff with puppy dog eyes. Yeah, and Liz, yeah. you've been like sort of, you're calling him a sketchy Scotty. I I, I had no idea he would be as cute and as adorable as that. So you've got to get some better pictures okay. of Hooper and put that up. Uh, do whatever you can. Put him in better lighting, whatever. Okay. He just needs to be shown off. He's cute. I'll so I'm very happy for you. Number two, I don't think, even though you, you went into great detail uh, on a number of podcasts, I don't think you have f- fully captured the insanity that is the scooter scourge (laughs) of Santa Monica. Now, sisters, as you know, I have spent a lot of time in Santa Monica. When I was living overseas, particularly when we were living in Russia, a couple of summers we rented an apartment in Santa Monica. So I've spent a lot of time there. Uh, I didn't recognize the place. I mean, there is just those scooters are coming and going. They're flying at you. I feel I felt like I was in, you know, Midnight Cowboy, Dustin Hoffman. I like I am walking here, people, and you are scooting by me, you know? Yes, I know. It's so, it's hard uh, to explain you, until you experience it live as a just a person. Yes, I on mean, foot. it's just totally changed the whole texture of a living environment. I was trying to think of some analogous situation. I can't. But it, the, I guess the next thing is everybody personal drones, and they will be <laughs> flying around unregulated. Yeah. I, I don't know. But it is. Um, a, it was a very disorienting experience with the scooters. And no, I did not go on the scooters. Yeah, there was Third no chance I, once Julie saw what the situation was. There's no chance we were even going to get a test drive out of her. No. 
No way. Okay, third thing I want to say is just I'm very proud of all of us, all of the family members that made an effort because uh, we really had no business. I mean, it wasn't like it was my big birthday or anything like that. It was just a birthday. But, you know, we all showed up and Sister Sheila was there. Leon, you weren't there, but you had excellent representation from your family. Your son uh, Brooks was there and your delightful husband was there. And we had a great time together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes that's all it is. Just make a little effort. Show up. And uh, that was fun. Now, the fourth point, Lee, and I want to make about Santa Monica, and you should pay attention to this, because uh, I had a nice long chat with Sheila. She looked great. She's having a great summer. She's very busy. But she's heading to New York to go see her daughter, Ruthie, who is now engaged to be married, which Mm -hmm. is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is, you know, there is some consternation about where to hold the wedding, how to hold the wedding. And sisters, you know, I mean, the problem with our family, like, and weddings is... We show we're up. Big, yeah. We're so many people. We're so many people, right? We rally for it, weddings. We do. It just just throws the whole equilibrium of whatever you're planning off because there's so many of us. And so I was counseling Sheila. I was. I, I feel like she needs a wedding planner. And like, you know, like any situation, you know, that's what the mother of the bride needs is a lot of free wedding advice, right? <laughs> sure. But um, I said, look, Sheila, the most important thing is that you know, Ruthie and Jeremy, it's, they're making the commitment. So it should be meaningful to them. Don't feel like you should have to invite them to, to, you know, we don't have to invite everyone in the family to it. You know, that's overwhelming, you know? And I said, look, Leon has a lovely house and you know, she's a wonderful host. How about we do a West Coast celebration hosted by Leon? Leon. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> Whose bright idea, nice idea was that? Whose bright you idea know? was that? Uh, so uh, I would this is right up your that. alley. Uh, we got the green light from your husband, Leon. Oh, okay. Uh, Sheila thought it was a wonderful idea too. So that way, Jeremy and Ruthie can do whatever they want. Right. They can have a very meaningful experience because they're the ones committing to each other. And then later on, you know, uh, we we can all help Leon uh, sure. host the party. West yeah. Coast Swing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. I thought, <laughs> I like Sheila it. really made out at this clam bake because you got committed to host Ruthie's West Coast wedding, <laughs> and I got committed to host her 60th birthday party, which is in September. So right. she is feeling good about her social life for the rest of the year. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. I think that's a fine idea. That will be fun. That. That'll... I knew you'd say yes, Leon. So, uh, uh, so there was no problem there. Okay, get the ta- call the taco cart. <laughs> call it. Call that taco cart. Well, that's back. we all agreed. We said that you threw a very nice party for Brooks's graduation, and and your husband thought, uh, Beric thought it would be nice that the theme for the wedding could be the same color as Brooks's school colors, <laughs> so we could just reuse all the decorations that you no doubt have stuffed in your garage. The traditional orange for a wedding. (laughs) They're not stuffed in the garage, Julie. They're carefully organized by my husband. I I know that. All the paper lanterns uh, hanging up in the rafters of the garage. We're ready. We're ready to go with any orange and white celebration. (laughs) (laughs) So, Welcome to the big orange can be the whole theme for this. Orange, you glad you came. <laughs> or, aren't you glad you got married? <laughs> All right. Julie, I had a fun weekend, too. It was my college friend's weekend, girls' weekend in Palm Springs. Now, Palm Springs is a very hot place, so let's not dwell. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. Just how hot? To, I don't even want to It went to 112. It's very hot. Yeah. It's very hot. It's so hot, like, even the pool during the day, you're like, it's a little hot in here. <laughs> so, so. But it was super fun. So that's all that matters. People came in from Colorado and Northern California and Idaho. This is a group of friends. I knew all the women in college. I'm sort of a late addition to their annual get-togethers, but I'm happy to be added to the list because they're super organized. Like, this group is on it. They, you know, do menu planning. They send out shopping lists ahead of time. Like, things are happening. And so it was was just a ton of fun. And then you can relax during the weekend because everything's all planned. There were itineraries. There were airport pickups. There were things that were completely organized. Like, everyone 
is able to take the bull by the horn. So I like that. Yes. Because usually I have to do all that. Yes. So right. that's, yeah. I was so You grateful. become the party planner. I, yeah. So I was, as Julie, as you just Event saw, producer with Julie. Dolan. <laughs> I just saw. That's right. Now, I we wasn't just, even so there. We just delegated a ma- major mm-hmm. wedding reception <laughs> yeah. to your house. Yeah. All right. So Julie, I know you've written about this in our, in our books. You're the best. Uh, and um, Uncommon Sense is about women's weekends, the checklist, what you need. We had a lot of the things on your checklist. We had good, good. food and we had good fun. So we did go out a couple of nights just because it was hot. Uh, but um, but we had a lot of fun, too. People brought salads. I made my world-famous ricotta as, oh. you know, appetizers. And then because we had a special celebration, one of the members of the group is engaged, getting nice. married oh, for the second time. That's nice. Super happy. So that was a lot of coordinating behind the scenes on text. We had a celebratory cake for her. So Danny, my friend Danny, baked a cake in Denver, put it on a plane, Flew it to Palm okay, Springs. Okay, that's insane. I mean, it's insane, but she's a fantastic baker. Is this the cake we saw on Instagram? Yes. Because I was shocked, Leanne, because it looked, you were taking credit for the cake. No, part I was taking cake? credit for the chocolate curls, Liz. Oh, okay. So I did not <laughs> bake the whole cake, and I didn't. And then they made the frosting on site, oh, right. and then we were trying the the bride-to-be was taking a nap, so we had a very short period of time uh-huh. to execute this surprise cake. And she's like, Leanne, can you make the chocolate curls? I was like, I don't think I can do that. I'm not sure you understand what you're dealing with here. I don't really work with the sweet areas. Desserts. <laughs> yeah, I'm a savory person, but I did it. We melted it. We melted the chocolate. We put it in the freezer, and I made those chocolate curls. Fant- Looked gorgeous. Oh, thank you. So yeah. if you don't follow Sad Sisters on Instagram, there's a good reason to do it. So I did not pick that cake. Full credit goes to Danny. I just made the chocolate okay. curls. But I was like, I may just quit my job and do this forever because it was incredibly satisfying to make well, those curls. Well, you know, curls. It's, like, it's like watching those videos of people carving bars of soap. You know, yeah. that's a big thing now, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All, there were seven of us. Everyone brought little gifts for everyone else. You know, that's nice. seven of that's this, what seven that's of that. what that's what women's weekends do, Leanne. The, the little gifts, just gestures. Yeah, right? it was. Fa- yeah. Fantastic. I mean, there was one coordinated like towel with our name on it in the school colors. Oh, uh, nice. Or orange and blue. So that's, you know, suitable for no room in your house. But it's a cool looking <laughs> orange. And then but people, you know, little boho bandanas, little makeup things. Mm-hmm. Everyone bought, you know. We had a spa afternoon, so we did all... Did you bring some Tula samples or some Kniep or... You know I did, Liz. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I brought all of it. All I brought stuff. a lot, because then we had a... We all put mud masks on, and then I did, like... I did foot massages for people with the Kniep. Kniep, Liz. It's oh, Kniep, Kniep, sorry. With the Kniep, like, foot butter cream. That stuff is great. It was fantastic. All right, there was a lot of crowdsourcing of medical issues, which is good. Everyone's you get to a certain age. Falling apart. Because these were all college athletes. Most of these women were swimmers uh, or cup two soccer players and a lacrosse player. So people now are... The, the shoulders are going. The plantar fasciitis, the <laughs> IT bands. There was a lot of crowdsourcing of medical issues and exchanging of, uh, of medical information. Of flimsy medical advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, here, freeze this water bottle and roll your foot on it. That'll fix you right up. Okay, then we had the surprising delight of matching items of clothing, is what I would say. Because the girls from Northern California were like, we don't have sundresses in Northern California. So, and all the Southern California girls, because it was 112, were like, just bring sundresses. So we had to make a trip to Target for sundresses. (laughs) And at some point, someone said, we should all get matching dresses. No. And that is hard to do at Target because it's hard to get the sizing. Yeah. But right. unbelievably, I found a dress in the middle of the rack. I tried it on and someone said, well, that's cute. Are there more of those? I go, yeah, I'll go, I'll go get them. Seven dresses later, we all bought the same dress. <laughs> I love wow. it. I love Fantastic. it. And I think that's fun. It We've was done fun. that before. Yeah. We're like, we wear the same clothes. Yeah. And, I, and I'm wondering. Okay. What, I'm skeptical that this is what fine. Is, go ahead. What is that phenomenon that you want to wear the same clothes as your friends? I don't know. I think I think it said you just want to be as close as you possibly can to them, yeah. and you want to share things with them. And I, I think that's lovely yeah, and amazing. I, I just got to say, found- sorry. I like maybe it's we all grew up in a family where we dressed alike <laughs> for the first fifteen years of our lives. So I feel no desire to do that with my friends. I feel like I got I all lovely. of that out of my system, and we have the family photos to prove it. It was just a fun bit, you know? Okay. And then and then what we could do is take the picture, and then because we were planning the surprise bridal shower, like, we could all show up, and it was a good excuse for everyone to, oh, everyone go get your dress on. Yeah. And then 
You know I brought some hats. You know, remember the bedazzled hats that we all the wore? From last year's yes. family reunion? I reordered <laughs> I reordered seven of those. We had the white hats that were all bedazzled. And then for the bride, I got her a special, like, crystal <laughs> a pin that said bride. So we put that on the bedazzled hats in the matching dress. Okay, that sounds It's fun. a winner. It's Is a there winner. a photo? There is a photo. I don't have permission from everybody. So just yeah. take my okay. word for it. We look great. Okay. I'm sure it looks cute. Well, yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. It William. was fun. And then I think, when, Liz, I think, Julie, the, the thing is, like, then you go back to your hometown and when you wear the dress, you know, it's a dress that's suitable for wearing. Yeah. So when you wear the dress, you just remember the fun weekend. So it's a, right. it's a, a memento like anything else, Liz. I mean, okay. we didn't go out in public. We were just stayed in the okay, house. Okay, that makes me feel so much better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, we had a lot of fun in the dressing room, and then we just stayed in the house. We didn't, yeah. like, go into downtown Palm Springs or anything. Good. Um, and then the last one I just want to add to the list. One of our friends is an actual psychologist, and that is very helpful at this point. <laughs> So she was very busy practicing all weekend. She was. You know, everybody I noticed, everybody had like one quiet session with her, like just some (laughs) quiet time in an extra bedroom or out at the pool or we went to yoga together. We had some car time and, you know, she really just fixes people up. So it was just everybody got one special session. So I I recommend that. It's almost better than a foot massage. (laughs) If you're looking for friends in college, young girls. You know, hang out with a psychology major because you never know where that's going to lead. It could lead to this free, free. That is some great career and academic (laughs) advice coming from Lee and Dolan. Okay, but it was a super fun weekend, and that's you know, nothing beats hanging out with your sisters and your friends. Nope, it's a good, it's a good call in the summertime. So, uh, and by the way, I'm enjoying in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group now. It's almost. Entirely pictures of people on vacation. Which I is love it too. Just yeah, so relaxing, isn't it? It? <laughs> it is like these lakes in Wisconsin that I will never go to. But look, don't say never, Liz. Yep. Yes, we could end up anywhere. But I'm enjoying all your vacation photos. So I urge people share whatever you want to share. Your backyard barbecues, your lake houses, your, you know, there were people that were like touring big cities and we're seeing them pretending they were statues. I love it all. Love it all. (laughs) Hey, Danette is in Pasadena this morning. She's on that Mini Cooper rally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's like at a 12 state rally. They're rallying at the Rose Bowl right now as we speak. That's oh, right. So that Danette, sounds fun. Post some pictures of that. I know you will. I know you will. All right. We are back. And I just want to mention one work note from me, because, as you know, in addition to Satellite Sisters, I do another podcast that called that's called Safe for Work. And it's workplace advice and discussion about corporate culture. And this week, our latest episode dropped with my new co-host, who I think is a guy you're going to love. His name is Rico Galliano. If you have ever listened to Dinner Party Download, Rico was the host of that show with Brendan Francis Noonan. Or back in the day, he was on Marketplace. He always did a segment called Educating Rico. Anyway, Rico is my new opposite number on, uh, on Safe for Work. And it's super fun. So I want everyone to try it. You can go subscribe. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you normally get your podcasts, where, wherever you get us, the Satellite Sisters, um, give this a go. So uh, safe for work. I would love to know what you think about, uh, about the show. Julie gave. I mean, you don't have to have a job to like the show. I mean, that's right, Liz. I mean, I think that's a key That is a ringing endorsement, Julie. I, I mean, I listened to the show yesterday. It is, it was so fun, so and so much energy, and I learned a lot. So I liked it, Liz. Okay, yeah. okay. Julie liked it, so you should try it. Um, <laughs> all right, Julie. Now we have to move to uh, the news of the week. We are, as we mentioned at the top of the show, probably the only podcast out there that has had a long-term. Russianologist as a host. Julie, you lived in Moscow for many years. In fact, you used to host this show from your apartment in Moscow, Russia, correct? Yes, from my bugged apartment. (laughs) And I know it was bugged because one day CBS News came over to do a story about the Satellite Sisters and all of their sound equipment blew up because they said, oh, well, there must be microphones already in your apartment. Okay. And that is the point that I have made, I, I, you know, numerous times on our radio show and on the podcast, having lived in Moscow for five years. It is the land of spies. It is run by a spy. 
spying is the major industry in Russia. I mean, when you think about it, Liz and Leanne, other than vodka, is there any consumer product that you have that's from Russia? Is there any export that you use from Russia? No. No, no, it's all, it's spying. <laughs> but if you needed a spy, an assassin, someone to poison someone, mm-hmm. you know where to go, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Russia. this is, that's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so. So watching the spectacle from Helsinki yes. this week, is there any other take, like any other observations you want to share? Because you're right, you have been saying this forever. We have witnessed it ourselves when we visited you in Russia. So no news here, people. Right. Jews I mean, it's not new forever. that the Russians were meddling with the elections. Right. They were, you know, I mean, I am sure they have been meddling for years. Are they getting better at meddling? Probably. And that clearly, you know, as evidenced by these indictments um, of the 12 Russian spies mm-hmm. <laughs> right. for for hacking. Yes. And and the arrest of, of the Russian spy in Washington, D.C. I mean, no, this is. I mean, they're pretty open about it. And when yeah. you live there, you understand that this is the way it runs. The whole the whole country runs. Mm-hmm. But when I was and watching... nothing gets done uh, unless Vladimir Putin says so, right? That's another right, thing. You exactly. I mean, okay. that's, you know, everything runs from the Kremlin in, in Russia. That's what I was told by Russians. But when I was watching that yesterday, uh, Liz and Leanne, I was thinking of the translators. I was kind, They were kind of off screen, but they were there um, right before... Before uh, Putin and uh, and President Trump went in to start their one-on-one conversation, and I assume they were in the room with Putin and Trump because uh, I don't think uh, Trump speaks Russian, and I'm not sure. And I believe Putin speaks English, but he probably wanted to conduct the conversation in Russia just because he can, because mm-hmm. he's you know that's the way he that's rolls. That's but I was thinking it made me think at like what a job those translators have because they have to get it right. They have to get the meaning right. And there have been lots of occasions when they haven't gotten it right. But in particular, to have to try to translate, simultaneously translate uh, President Trump, who is not, you know, your typical statesman, who is not, who doesn't talk like anyone else, mm-hmm. that must have been, you know, they really have such a unique position. And it made me think, Liz, of when you came to Moscow and uh, we were trying to line up a tour guide and somehow ended up with a tour guide that also did the translation at the Salt 2 talks. Remember <laughs> right. how smart right. she was? Yeah, I do how, remember like, that. I mean, that those when you think about those people that, you know, they are right there as history is being made and have such a critical role when the stakes are so high and it must have been, you know, really nerve wracking uh, yes. to translate for those guys. Yep. Yes. And they may be the only ones who really know what went on in some of those <laughs> What rooms. went on. Exactly. Yes. yes. But so um, I'm looking forward to the book and the movie. When Aaron Sorkin releases yes. the play, yes, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to that. But I think focus on the translators; they're the ones. But obviously, they have you know they they're spies too. So uh, right. there you have it. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. So who hires the American translators? Do we bring our own person from the embassy? Oh and they... yes. 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 Right. Oh yeah. Okay. Would you hi would you trust a Russian translator to translate for you? <laughs> think about that, Liz. No, and I think I saw this. I was telling Leon before we started today, this was a plot in a TV show or movie that I saw. I thought it was an episode of Madam Secretary, frankly, where the translator was not translating incorrectly on purpose to try to throw off yep. the talks. Right. And that's entirely possible. You can imagine that scenario. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You can either yes. no, I, I think you can either soften thoughtful. the language or toughen the language. Just being the translator. Yes. I mean, think back with uh, there was that snafu with the whole reset of the Russian policy. Uh, when Secretary of State Clinton, you know, she got that button and she wanted mm-hmm. to reset or uh, and but her use of the word reset was uh, Russian word was not the exactly right. Yes. So, OK. There you go. OK. So there you go. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> we hope, we if hope you we need us to tell you every week what, what, what a bad guy Vladimir Putin is, we can do that. We've got the facts. Okay. Oh, so here's, here's an uplifting story in this weekend's New York Times. Um, I love the fact that it was listed as news analysis, but the headline is this. Forget a fast car. 
creativity is the new midlife crisis cure. So I think this is right up our alley, Satellite Sisters. Like, if you're at a point in your life where you're feeling like maybe a little unfulfilled, a little adrift, a little bit like you need a fresh start, are you feeling like a midlife crisis? Creativity, apparently, is the way to go. And here's what it says in the story. In this era of mindfulness and today's preoccupation with pursuing a meaningful life, seems like a good idea, a new antidote has emerged to cure the doldrums of midlife. Creativity. Creativity classes and seminars for those in their 40s and 50s, and maybe even older, uh, are thriving. So are books devoted to creating a meaningful life plan ahead of retirement. So a lot of this, if people, I don't know if either of you have ever tried The Artist Way by, by Julia Cameron. We had her on the show. Oh, yeah, that's right. A million years ago. It was a million years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So she published that in 1992. I remember trying that in 1995, but it was really a lot of work. So I bailed on that. Right. She has you doing those morning (laughs) pages where you write pages every day. I don't know. I had a job. I had no time for that. (laughs) But anyway, she did do a newer one in 2016 called It's Never Too Late to Begin Again, Discovering Creativity and Meaning at Midlife and Beyond. So I think that's a good recommendation. But there are a few examples in this story, which the, the whole story is by Laura Holson, who has been a guest on our show before. She's a longtime satellite sister and uh, has worked at the New York Times for a long time. There's an example here that I loved. It's a woman named Ashley Henry, who, of, co- of course, in Portland, Oregon, got to love that. She reached her 40s, and she decided she wanted to sing again. Yeah. She had just hadn't been singing in, since she was a kid. I like this. I like this. She heard that her favorite jazz club was closing so she decided like she was going to take one more stab at this and get on stage before the club closed forever. So she rented the club, hired a singing coach, had a big concert, and raised $7,000 in the process for a charity. How about that? That's fantastic. I love that story. So that is putting your creativity to good use. But it made me... Think of you, Leanne, now that you've taken up the dance again. (laughs) You started dancing again a year ago, sort of for the same reason, right? Right. Yeah, it was about two years ago now. Yeah, I had loved dance as a, you know, as a teenager and a kid and done it for years. And then, you know, on the dance floor at weddings and things like that. (laughs) But I really wanted to find something that was just fun, that reconnected me with the person I used to be, but also where I was really challenged. And, and, you know, and that... The fact that we perform is what kind of elevates it from a Zumba class. You know, our our teachers always saying this, this isn't Zumba, it's dance. So, I mean, you really have to bring it and it's, you know, rehearsals and hair and costume and makeup and, you know, opening night. And it has, it's really been fantastic. And the whole class is filled with women like me. I mean, a lot of the women in the class didn't dance when they were younger. And that amazes me. And now they're doing competitive ballroom dancing and they absolutely love it. I have no desire to compete. Pete, but I really, really do love like this portion of my life. Mm-hmm. I don't think about the grocery list when I'm there. You know, it reconnects. Work me. goes out of your yeah. head. No, right. you really have to focus and concentrate and just bring something new. And I have to tell you, Liz, being out on a, a bunch of book tours over the last six years, it's the number one question I get from people. Like, how do I, I'd like to let creativity into my life. Mm-hmm. So this article didn't surprise me because mm-hmm. there's definitely a conversation a for sure. happening out there. You feel like, oh, somehow I've been working for the last 25 years or raising kids. And now I want to do something, you know, fun that just taps into a different side of my brain. Yeah. Yeah. I but it's good it. to know that it's good for you too. That's the part that I like, you know, yes. like if you are having the midlife crisis by pursuing these creative pursuits, you can feel better when this yeah. that's good. Yeah. And it's sort of counterintuitive that way, Julie, because in Laura's story, she quotes Bill Burnett, who's the executive director of the design program at Stanford. And he wrote the bestseller designing your life. And he says, fear of failure is big if you're an expert in your field. So, like, at work, you don't ever want to do anything that you're really bad at. So as you continue to go through life, you're doing less, fewer and fewer things that you think are risky. So the whole idea here is to ask yourself, why am I going to do something new that I'm terrible at? You need to, that's what you, exactly what you need to do. Go be terrible at something. And it's going to open up your mind and provide fulfillment in a whole unexpected kind of way. 
So well, Julie, that's why when people said, oh, post the video of your dance, like it's really not about the quality of the dance at yes. the end. Like Anne Ryan King's job is safe. And B.B. <laughs> Newworth, no one is coming for you. You know, you'll be in Chicago forever. Because, But it is just about getting out there and putting yourself out there in a completely different arena. Yeah. So, Julie, are you cooking up anything in this realm? Anything that you're thinking, okay, I have always wanted to... Um, well, I do this podcast, but for me, you know, I'm going to say I'm going to my, my twist on it. I mean, the thing that I've taken up with sort of a passion is tennis Uh and it's hard. And, you know, uh, you know, it is a new skill. It is mentally challenging. You know, it is athletically challenging. Uh, so I, I consider that my, my creative outlet. Okay. All right. So we recommend this. I posted it in the Facebook group. Uh, and a number of you have already posted that you've done an artist's way, but there are people that have taken up painting. There's a woman in the Facebook group who sold everything, sisters. Did you see that? She sold 95% of what she had in life and just sort of went out to hit the world. Wow. So there she is. Good, like, good on you. <laughs> Anyone doing anything like that or even just trying, you know, glass blowing for the first time. We want to hear about it. So <laughs> That seems really dangerous. Don't do that. It does. There's Be careful. Lot. There's That's a lot a... of fire and hot glass. I don't think anyone should do that. It's supposed to be slightly risky, Julie, but okay. There you go. So that'll all be in the show notes so that you can read the whole story and be inspired. All right, Liz. Last week, um, my husband and I did something we never do. We went out on a Sunday night. That's very un- risky. <laughs> unusual for us. Uh, but it both was- having midlife going out on a Sunday night. Good Pretty for you. much. I mean, we had to, it started at seven. So at one point my husband's like, seven? Like that? I was <laughs> Staying like, up until seven? We can do it. We can do it. Um, but we went to a comedy club to hear a comedian. Uh, it was a fundraiser for an organization that I support. Mm-hmm. So, and it was supposed to be a delightful evening of comedy about aging. Okay. okay. Supposed to be, Julie. That's your, that's, the, that's the red flag. Uh-oh. It was supposed to be entertaining. So here's the deal. The guy doing the comedy, he is not a traditional stand-up, but he's he does stand up like this for charity events and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say his name because it doesn't really matter, but he's well known in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Let's just say that. He has a high profile job, but he does this as sort of an act of giving. So yeah. it's a very, I, you know, I wanted to support that. It's his creative outlet, no doubt. Yeah. Except. Well, except. <laughs> okay. Except so, what? So William? here's the thing. He starts with some pretty funny, some Really funny jokes, I have to say, based on his actual career. And, you know, it's it a good start. And then he very quickly segues into some hilarious workplace humor about the hashtag Me Too movement. Really? Yeah. And I realized, you know, his, his take on it, his hot take, Liz, was that, oh, boy, HR people just follow you around the hallways now and write you up for saying things like, you look beautiful today. And... Why would women dress for work in shoes and clothes and hair and makeup if they didn't want you to say that? To comment on their bodies and their looks. But yeah. now you can't. Oh, oh God, and why do you even go to work anymore? Yeah, and, you know, boy, just, you know, why did a couple of guys ruin it for everyone? A couple of guys. That was his, yeah, that was yeah. his take So is that when you got up and stormed out <laughs> of the of the evening, Leon, or what? Honestly, That's Julie, terrible. It's Honestly, I I thought my head was going to blow off. First of all, I thought, okay, this was just unnecessary five or six jokes in the middle of, you yeah. know, your funny set on what we really need is a senior citizen GPS to remind us of where we were going. You know, that was really the level of his <laughs> oh, hilarity. So I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that you would take this detour for no reason mm-hmm. that somehow you thought the me too movement was about you yeah you know as a guy who's had a very secure job for decades in right. the los angeles area in a volatile business and that it was inconveniencing you because you couldn't use your go-to small talk line you look beautiful today wow i just and it also surprised me that the people in the audience, most of whom were a little bit older than me, not all, were sort of chuckling along and laughing. Because I was like, does no one work in an o- 
Yes. Did no one read the newspaper? I'm well, sorry. These were not. You know, read- sometimes in crowds like that, you, they don't. People don't know how to react, right? Uh, or were I they don't know. genuinely? There was sort of like some. Oh were- yeah, only two guys. I was like, yeah. no, no. Does anyone here read the newspaper but right. me? It wasn't right. even the only two guys had layers and layers and layers of protection of executives and corporate lawyers and outside counsel and newspaper publishers, like right. protecting criminal behavior. Right. They were raping women. I, I Yes. Yes. Right. And yes. and it's not all I just I well let's just say it really put a damper on my evening. <laughs> I just I couldn't really rise to the occasion with the rest of the material. Mm. And I'd like to think, like, I'm a person that has a sense of humor, and I hate that litmus test. Like, I'm going to tell an off-color joke. You laughed at that, right? You're fine with that, right? And yeah. But I just, I just really was kind of surprised. And I know uh, that there has been sort of a generational split on this whole thing. That right. People think, oh, we're blowing it all out of... Uh, you know, proportion. It's just a couple of guys. Exactly what he expressed. Like, yeah. oh, poor me. I can't tell you you look beautiful now. But you know what? Millennials, I am with you. Like, <laughs> if I wanted a trigger warning on this. Like, if he had put outside, you know, in the in the lousy bar out front, if he had just said, hey, the first 10 minutes of this show, I'm going to do some really dated, tedious material. Uh, then I would have waited and just slid right in when he did the, wow, remember children's aspirin material? I would have been... <laughs> You know, fine. But I just thought I'm definitely closer to the millennials. I understand the trigger warnings mm-hmm. on this now. Right. Because I'm not But ready. the thing about the Me Too movement, Leanne, and you and I and Liz, we've talked about this, is this is not new. I mean, this is not new for anyone who's been in the workplace in the last 30 years about how to be respectful to women, how to be respectful to women in the workplace, what's appropriate behavior and what's not appropriate behavior. And so... You know, this idea that this is, oh, some new cultural thing that he had to contend with, that's ridiculous. I know. Well, that's, of course, my husband, who's an ally. You know, he's an ally. And and something we've been talking about for 25 years, you know, working with women, uh, that's what he does. And he's in a manager position. As we walked out, he goes, are you going to be okay? I go, I just think my head's going to blow off. And it was a 50 minutes set. And I no, was, he could tell. He, he could, could tell. tell. And he said exactly what you just said. He goes, you know what I don't understand? He said, we have been getting HR training. If you work in corporate America, you've been getting this since Anita Hill. Yeah. Like, this right. is not new. And, like, this hasn't changed your behavior. So if you if you didn't change your behavior, you should have. You weren't yeah. listening, and you were in violation of corporate policy. He said, this is not new. And not funny. And not funny. <laughs> not funny. Like, right. it just seems... It just sort of dismisses right. the sort of the the importance of trying to level the playing field on some of these issues right. by just taking away the most egregious kind of behavior in the work. Right. Yeah. It, it, it really it really does. So that's, that's... Okay. Yuck, yuck, yuck. I know. Just me too. Not a punchline. Yeah. Not a punchline. Not a punchline. All right. Okay. Sorry, Ooh. did I bring everyone down no. after the feel-good no. creativity no. story? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Julie had one more story here called, Does Your Wardrobe Need a Shrink? Do we have time for that, Julie? Yes. you want to uh, chime in with that? I, I, I think so. Okay, I will try it now. This is fashion psychology. I think we all need to stop and examine our closets. Uh, and this is a this is apparently is a new field. And this was one of these fashion psychologists. Her name is Dawn Karens, and she spells her name with two N's, which I thought is very fashionable, I guess. D-A-W-N-N, Dawn Karens. So she's half stylist, half therapist. And she said that the root of how we feel about what we wear and what our clothes say about us is very important. And she teaches a course at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York that has uh, about about fashion psychology. She does a whole segment on the meaning of hoodies, for example. And that when you think about your clothes, Leanne or Liz, do you have a lucky shirt or do you have a favorite dress that mm-hmm. you wear? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I have a favorite dress. And, so, so and I would that say that is, I have a certain look that I favor. I think most people do, partly out of the practicality of having more of a uniform makes every morning easier. Yeah. So, but, but she has found that, you know, that some people, for example, who wear the same clothes all the time, Mm -hmm. that, that repetitive uh, look 
in fact, you know, that that's can be a complex like the repetitive wardrobe complex. And she gives the example of Mark Zuckerberg, who wears a hoodie and wears the same outfit, that this is actually he's not projecting the strongest image. And in fact, it may project some of his weaknesses that he just keeps wearing the same thing, including a hoodie every single time. Or, or there are, you know, people with melancholy personalities that she finds in her research that they tend to favor chunky knit sweaters. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, That's a good because insight they want to be they want to be comforted. They want to have be soothed. Neurotics like A-line skirts. But that, that that she has found really? this. So well, yes. So this um, seems pseudoscientific to me. I, I don't know, but you know, but pe- but there is something at the base of this. Uh-huh. This idea that the stories we tell about a particular item of clothing can have measurable effects about how we how we feel and therefore how we perform in them. Mm-hmm. If you are putting on your lucky dress, Liz, or your mm-hmm. lucky shirt, sure. and you've had when you think back, when you've worn it in the past, those would have been successful presentations or you've had a good day, you know, that you are much more likely if you put that on again to perform well in that same outfit. Now, it might start pilling or you might have some, some things if you wear it too much. But um, but, I, you know, I think I mean, that's... I kind of agree with that. But that's just the basic, you know, when you feel like you look good and you're projecting what you want about yourself, you perform better. Right. That's, you know, as opposed to the Mark Zuckerberg hoodie thing, where sometimes sometimes people project, uh, I don't want to think about my clothes. And I'm cool with that. Like, I know plenty of women that wear like a white shirt, black pants and a blazer to work every day. I'm good with that. But sometimes I feel like they take it in the Zuckerberg case. It's a step too far. Like, I'm too smart to think about my clothes. You know, (laughs) it's like what they what they're trying to communicate is clothes so beneath me, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but sometimes it, you can be a little, you know, you can be very divided about how you wear your clothes. I mean, you have certain styles, you know, that you wear, but then other times you wear things that are more erratic. So again, it would be demonstrating your poor judgment or your erratic uh, state of mind or something like that. Erratic. Anyway, Julie, what do you wear when a, you're, Julie? What do you wear when you're in your most erratic state of mind? Like, <laughs> what should be the sign to us if we see you wearing a certain item of clothing that we—that's a red flag. <laughs> okay, um, I, you know, I think if you know when I go with uh, too many patterns, Liz, you know, I, so <laughs> okay. be be on the lookout for that layering of patterns. That may be some, mm-hmm. uh, but if but people are hiring people like Dawn Karens, a fashion psychologist, to come and give them a private consultation. Like, you know, they're thinking about their clothes. They're spending a lot of time and money on their clothes. They're wearing their clothes every day. They just want to be able to do it right and do it in the most thoughtful way. So it's just another service, sisters, something you might want to consider when you're looking in your closet. Yeah. It's sort of a step up from a personal shopper then, right? Yes. It's like something you can say, I want to project a certain image at work. Help me choose the clothes that do that. Run for that. Or I don't want to feel, I don't want to have to like torment myself every day. Like what should I wear to work or what should I wear or what should I wear to this event? If you sort of feel, if you know more about yourself and your clothes and your clothes, you know, how your clothes work with you, then you might do better. Okay. I might go into this field, but speaking of creativity, (laughs) Liz. (laughs) Okay. We are back. And, oh, Julie, I hear that you wanted to talk about, we have a specific book on the Satellite Sisters Best Beach Bag Book List that you are in the middle of and really enjoy. Right. I mean, I hope everybody has checked out this list that's available at SatelliteSisters.com. Leanne put together a fantastic list, best beach bag books. And I, it's summertime. We are in the middle of it. And I think you ought to pick up Judy Blundell's The High Season. And this is one of our book recommendations. It's got a picture of a beach on it. So you know you're in the right territory <laughs> for the right time of year. And Leanne and Liz, I love it. The opening chapter in this book, the title of it is Memorial Day. Okay, so you know it's going to be all about summer, and it's it's great. This house, this book includes a beach house, summer people, aristocrats, 
drama, perhaps a uh, romance, and it's very, very snappily written. Is that, are you allowed to say snappily? I don't know. but that's quite an adverb, but yeah, (laughs) go for it. (laughs) It's got very snappy dialogue. I've I've picked it up and I am enjoying it, like all the books on the Beach Bag book list. But this one I can highly recommend. So take a a look at it. It's called The High Season. It's going to look so good in your beach bag when you are at the beach or at the lake or the pool or you're just relaxing on your back porch. This is a nice book to read. Okay. Good recommendation. All right. With Entertaining Sisters, the list continues. Mama Mia 2 opens this weekend. <laughs> You're this, excited about this? You know what? I, I just rewatched Mama Mia 1 last week. <laughs> it know? was charming and delightful. Try, you know, it's people singing ABBA songs like on a Greek island. There's romance. There's sort of a tortured book that they put together to fit all these songs together. There's very clever choreography. There's super attractive people. I mean, you don't have to think too hard. So when I started to see the signs for Mamma Mia 2, I'm like, huh, what could they possibly do that they didn't already do? Are there ABBA songs we don't know? And the answer is no, Liz. They appear to be. (laughs) They just reordered the song? Hey, from what I've seen in the trailer, They're going to have the same songs? Some of the same songs, Julie. And remember the story from Mamma Mia 1 that, you know. Uh, no, we, we... there was a story. I mean, I remember <laughs> yes. liking it, but I don't recall yeah. a story. But Meryl Streep, you know, had the three guys. She didn't know who was the father. Oh, okay, right. But okay. we heard that story in Mamma Mia 1. Now we're going to see it in Mamma Mia 2. <laughs> it's even the same story. It's the same people. It's the same music. It's the same story, but more of them. Now there's, you know, back in time and now mm-hmm. in time. Back in time. <laughs> that sounds time. very comforting, Leanne. Doesn't you know? it? Doesn't it, Jewel? Doesn't it? So that's great. As long as Pierce Brosnan doesn't sing. Because he, <laughs> you know, there were a lot of amateur singers. Colin Firth, go ahead, take a shot. You're yeah. so cute. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, a lot of people that really aren't singers, you're not going to compete with Christine Baranski. So it, yeah. just go ahead. Don't even try. But yeah. Pierce Brosnan, that was painful. So I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping that they've cut his singing uh-huh. down. Screen time up, yeah. singing down is what, I'm, <laughs> is what I'm hoping. But it looks like literally the same okay. story. So I feel like we are at a time in history where escapist fair is required just for sanity. So I'm 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 willing to entertain the concept Mamma Mia too. It would certainly be a fantastic fun movie to go with your satellite sisters. Too. Yes. You know, make it a make it all a ABBA yeah. movies right. plays, in the same all, outfits, Liam? Yeah. In the you same wear your matching dresses and your bedazzled hats. <laughs> wear it. Wear it. Go for it. All right. Uh, the World Cup and Wimbledon ended. It made me sad Monday morning when I woke up and there was no TV to watch at mm-hmm. 7 o'clock on the West Coast. You know, it's been yeah. a good month of, of of sports viewing that I can just have on in the background to avoid a lot of other things. <laughs> so I enjoyed that. But uh, first, uh, Wimbledon. Let's do Wimbledon first. Um, you know, our dream final came true. Mm-hmm. It, it was Serena against Angelique Kerber. I mean, it was, a, you know, good for Serena. She tried Kerber played a fantastic match, but there they were, you know, the sisters-in-law in the in the royal box. Oh, the duchesses, the duchesses. Forget about the athletes. They were looking. We're fa- to- they were looking fabulous. <laughs> they were looking fabulous. That was just such a nice treat, you know. Yeah. It just felt like such a just a girl power thing to see all those women together supporting yes. other women, and you know, at various stages of new transitions in their lives. So mm-hmm. I I enjoy that whole thing. So congratulations to Kerber. I've always admired her. Yes. as an athlete, she She's really a- had a tough task there, and she put it down. And congratulations to Serena. That was an incredible run for her 10 months after giving birth. It so. is spectacular that she made yes. the Grand Slam final. Yes, yes. So, and yes. can I, sisters, can I to read you Serena's tweet? She, she wrote yesterday, these past two weeks was a, a sound for all moms, stay at home and working. You can do it. You really can. I'm not any better or diff than any of you all. Your support has meant so much to me. Let's keep making noise every day in everything we do. Liz, are you consulting with Serena Williams? Uh, hashtag stay noisy, she, Serena. She, she seems to be on the stay noisy campaign. Yay. Okay. Good I got to say, though, watching Serena's like strokes, I am a little diff than Serena. I have got, <laughs> Serena, I've got none of your moves. You're, you're the greatest of all time, 
in that way, we are diff. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was so positive at the end. Such she was. an uplifting moment. It was just a it's just a lot of sisterhood there on Center Court at Wimbledon. You don't often see that, and we saw it. And then, speaking of sisterhood, uh, okay, the World Cup final, Croatia versus France. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, did you notice the president of Croatia? Love uh, the woman, Kalinda oh. Grabar Kitarovic. Okay, yes. she's their biggest, literally their biggest fan. You have to appreciate that where everyone else is in their stiff suits, she is in the team jersey. <laughs> How brilliant is that? I Obviously know. a custom-made team jersey that looks fantastic on her, wearing some, you know, really— Because it's not a good look, can I it's say? Not, the checkerboard, not. <laughs> not usually a flattering look, but she just went all the way it's not. with the, the team colors. And so not only was she cheering when her team lost, she was there, like, standing in the pouring rain— welcoming, kissing, cheering up all the yeah. players. I thought it was fantastic. And I so, I was so just, we're sitting there watching and my son Brooks says, he goes, Mom, that would that's what you would be like if you were the president of a country. You'd be <laughs> rooting and cheering. You'd wear your jersey. You'd totally do that. She was a total soccer mom. Yes, I loved yes. it. So good for her. I'm sorry Croatia didn't win, but not that sorry because I thought France was the better team. But uh, they had a great run, and she is a, a great role model for soccer moms everywhere. Yeah. She's also like a Fulbright. She was an ambassador. Oh, she, really? She yeah. speaks about 800 languages, and she's in the team. <laughs> is that language. accurately in 800 languages? <laughs> it's a zillion. I think technically she speaks a zillion languages. <laughs> Most of the things I just said are true. <laughs> Most of the things. And I, I loved said. how much she was hugging the French players, too. I know. It was just like, she just really well done enjoyed the all whole the way thing. around. Yeah, yeah. and those yeah, guys, yeah. believe me, I've hugged soccer players. They're sweaty. You know, that's a <laughs> commitment. She's probably glad it was raining. <laughs> and then finally, I will post in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. Um, I mentioned a cover story I wrote for Pasadena Magazine a couple of months ago, the Women in Business article oh, about yeah. three female CEOs in the retail biz. So if you want to read that, I'll post that. It finally went up oh, online. Good. So um, I think you'll find it interesting. They have a lot of, you know, retail is a tough business. And these women sort of have figured out interesting ways to go about uh, making their careers sex- successful and their businesses, including like going back to school to get your MBA, you know, in your 40s, deciding like, well, maybe I yeah. need to shake up the book business and this is what I'm going to do. So there, there are a couple of inspiring stories there. So I will post that at Satellite Sisters Facebook group. Okay. All right. Here we are. Wow. That was a full show. I feel like we covered Everything. The world. world. We covered the world today, girls. (laughs) One cup of coffee at a time. There you go. Uh, We would like to thank our sponsors for today's show. Can't find that handy list now, Liz. It's Rothy's, Third Love, Nectar, and Beachbody, Leanne. Oh, that's a fantastic list of sponsors. Yes, we love all of them. We would like to thank everyone at Wondry Sunset Studios, especially Sergio Enriquez, our engineer. Thank you so much, Sergio, for connecting us and making our show sound great. Uh, to-do list, anyone? What, is people, what do people have? Jewel? Uh, well, Leanne, you're not going to be on the show next week. So I, I've got Liz and I have got some work to do. So that's it. We're, we're, we're cooking up a, a good show for next week. <laughs> yeah, my to-do list is the same thing, Leanne. We're just, we're just trying to... <laughs> Trying to hold up our end while you're gone. (laughs) All right. Well, that's great. I have some house guests in, so my to-do list is a variety of of things. I'm happy to have them here. They're in every room in the house. It's a lot of fun to have friends over, and and I'm just on a constant sweeping of the dog hair. (laughs) I can see. I can't keep up. And a lot of the beds I laid down on the ground. So every time, you know, they're kids for yeah. kids. So mattresses, uh-huh. things like that. And she's like, oh, thanks so much. And just goes, <laughs> like all day yesterday. So everything's a dog she bed She just now. kept like lying. Oh, this is great. Oh, it's another bed. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, right. that sounds fun. Enjoy all that. All right, everyone. Have a great week. You too, Leanne. You too, Leanne. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.